Hey, this is Don Nyam, a.k.a. Stingray, from the movie Undefeatable, and you're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. <laughs> A rough and tumble country boy gets thrown into the middle of a turf war that he has no business fighting. But when his sister and her husband are murdered by a ruthless gang, he's the only thing left to stand in their way. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and in this episode, we stretch our thunder legs with Hitman in the Hand of Buddha. Hitman in the Hand of Buddha is a 1981 film co-produced by Korean and Hong Kong studios with Huang Jang Lee himself as director, with co-directors Young Wei and Park Yin-go. This was the first and only Wang Jiang Li film to produce in his own production company, and it really is a shame because he had something here, as we'll soon find out. The movie opens up on a busy city street where a fool and his money are soon to be parted, because there's a guy flashing a large wad of bills, and he gets targeted by some street thugs who chase him into a nearby alley. Thinking he's given the thugs the slip, the guy exhales only to run into Thunderlegs himself, Wang Jiang Li, here playing the character Wang Chen. It's an unintentionally hilarious introduction because Huang Jiang Li stands in a classic hero pose and is accompanied by heroic but jarring fanfare. And then he proceeds to steal the money from the guy and take off running when the other thugs show up. So for fans of Thunderleg, you know that Wang Jiang Li is far more well known for playing the cold mustachioed villain in his movies. In Drunken Master, he was the honor-bound baddie who took on Jackie Chan, for instance. However, in this, his directorial debut, Huang Jiang Li wanted to prove to his fans that he could carry a film as the hero of the story. He even shaved off his trademark stash. Though, with the Prince Valiant page boy haircut he's rocking in this picture, it's not the most flattering look for him. But he can't be the hero, you say. Heroes don't steal people's money and run away. Well, they do if they're actually just baiting the thugs to chase him instead of the poor hapless dope who got chased down in the first place. Fight scene. The thugs try mixing it up with Thunderleg, and it does not go well. There are a total of eight robbers who close in on Wang Jiang Li in the scene, and if you're not familiar with Thunderleg, you're about to see why he's called that. He kicks these guys' butts quite literally. In fact, throughout this entire fight scene, Wang Jiang Li doesn't throw a single punch, not one. Instead, he kicks his way through these guys and makes it look absolutely effortless. His kicking skill is legendary in the industry, and you see why when he does things like hook guys' heads with one leg while pummeling them with the other. He never looks off balance or unsure of his footing, even while whipping high leg kicks at two different attackers or uncorking a Mortal Kombat-style bicycle kick in midair. His final kicking sequence busts out three jumping, spinning back kicks in succession before the thugs run off. He then returns the money to the would-be victim, cementing his hero status for the rest of the film. Okay, quick biography on Wang Jiang Li. He's a Korean martial artist born in Japan, and his specialty is Taekwondo. And when I say specialty, I mean the guy is a ninth Dan black belt and he also holds a ninth Dan rank in the World Tang Sudo General Federation. That means you do not mess with this guy. Incredibly, when he started learning Taekwondo, he was entirely self-taught, but from there he went on to teach the art to the Korean army. During his service, he was challenged by a Vietnamese knife fighter to see whose skill was really better, and according to some accounts, the superkicker showed the knife fighter up pretty handily, and as he was walking away, the knife fighter tried to sneak attack him, but Wang Jiang Li was too quick, and he actually killed the Vietnamese fighter in self-defense. Again, you do not mess with this guy. After his service, he made a career in film playing the bad guy and is rightfully recognized as the finest bootmaster the industry has ever seen. 
Back to the movie now, Wang Zhang Li's character Wang Chen is having a meal when he spots some homeless kids stealing some rice. He steps in and pays for the rice only to get hustled and pickpocketed by the same kids. The little street rats make their way back to their gang, which is led by a familiar archetype in kung fu cinema, the drunken beggar who may or may not secretly be a kung fu master. Here, the part of Beggar Fan is played by Fan Mei Sheng, who we've seen in this very same role in Magnificent Butcher with Sammo Hung that we did a few episodes back. As Beggar Fan is tallying the daily haul from his street urchins, Wang Chen shows up and demands his money back. Beggar Fan isn't so keen on that idea, and when Wang Chen threatens him with force, Beggar Fan isn't so easily scared off. I'll give you a demonstration on the art of Kung Fu. You just follow what I do, and maybe you'll become as great as me. I don't think so. Huh. I'm much better than you. Fight scene. Wang Chen and Beggar Fan set it off, and production must have had trouble finding a suitable stunt double for Beggar Fan, because in the long shots, he loses about 50 pounds. Still, the fight is a fun one with Beggar Fan doing a lot of floor work to counter the powerful striking and kicking from Wang Chen. You never get the sense that the fight is malicious though, especially because Beggar Fan wisecracks his way through most of it. The bulk of the fight is close quarter hand and prop fighting until Beggar Fan lures Wang Chen into punching a metal walk. You handle yourself well, but you need a good teacher. Fine, I'll do the teaching. As good as Wang Chen is, Beggar Fan actually shows him that he's got a lot to learn as he uses deception and misdirection to gain the upper hand in the fight. A petulant Wang Chen still wants his money and begins to trash Beggar Fan's meager digs until he agrees to repay the money. The pair form a quasi-friendship that'll come in handy later. Now we cut to a rice shop in town where we meet Ah Chu, a cross-eyed employee as he and the shopkeeper are lamenting the sorry state of their rice sales. Another store in town is cutting in on their business by giving out incentives to their shoppers. That business is bad. You know, I haven't known it to be as bad as this for years. Alright, I need to address something here. This film's a lot of fun, and Wang Zhang is amazing to watch. However, I have one major gripe with this English dub, and that's the voices themselves. When you watch these films, the last thing that should take you out of the experience is the voiceover performance. And frankly, in this film, it's a big enough distraction to be annoying for me. For the most part, the voices are passable and don't bug me, but the voices for Wang Zhang Li and Ah Chu are problematic to say the least. And it's tough when the hero of the flick and the main sympathetic character are hard to listen to. Now, Ah Chu is supposed to be a comedic element as well, so we're supposed to laugh at some of the things he does and says, but I found myself cringing often at the irritating quality of his voice. You've heard some of Wang Zhang Li already, and to me he sounds like a cut-rate James Cagney with a bad sinus infection. It's breathy and sing-songy and just not quite right for me. But take a listen to Ah Chu, and maybe you'll see what I mean. That's right! I can afford to buy any food anymore! I don't know what's the matter. The English dub delivers all his lines like this, and after a while it just gets to be a bit much. Anyway, back to the film. Achu takes it upon himself to try and sabotage the competition by sneaking into the competition shop and switching out the weights they use to measure the rice. This results in customers complaining about being shortchanged and overcharged by the new shop, which angers the owner but pleases Achu's boss. So much so that he gives Achu a cash bonus. And where does a guy go when he comes into some extra spending cash, you might ask? That's right he heads to the local brothel. Now, while sticking your dipstick in a giant petri dish of sloppy seconds and thirsty thirds is normally not a good idea anyway, this particular instance causes further problems for Achu. When a girl is brought to him, she is immediately put off by his disheveled appearance and questions his financial integrity. Let's see the color of your money first. Insulted by her disdain, Achu begins to boast about his quote-unquote wealth and does a little embellishing, which unfortunately gets overheard by some local ruffians. You know that new Hang Chung I shop? They had to go out of business because I used some tricks on them. These ruffians happen to be muscle for the competing rice shop, so they bust in on Ah Chu to engage in some civil discourse regarding his claims. You bastard, you tricked us. Oh! Oh! 
<laughs> they go on to beat Achu senseless and throw him down the stairs of the brothel. Meanwhile, at the rice shop, Achu is called in sick, leaving the shopkeeper to handle the suddenly booming rice business by himself. Wang Chen shows up looking for Achu, and we learn that Achu is his brother-in-law. In fact, Achu's wife, Wang Chen's sister, rushes into the shop screaming for help. When she's reunited with her brother, he offers to help, and together they head over to the other rice shop, where we see Achu getting strung up like a piñata that's about to get bust open with extreme prejudice. Wang Chen rushes right in and knocks down the guy stringing up Achu. As Achu hits the ground, Wang Chen tells him to beat it as the other rice shop owner and his hired thugs close in. Wang Chen mixes it up a bit with the rice shop crew, using a lot of hand fighting, and leaves more than a few beaten henchmen in his wake. Later, we're at Achu's home, where a very understanding wife is tending to the bruises on her philandering husband's face when Wang Chen arrives to confront his sister. He has lots of work to do, but it's always at the brothel. Oh, what's so wrong? It's quite normal for a man to go to a brothel sometimes. Sister, don't be such a fool. It's your job to make a good man of him. Achu wakes up and hears Wang Chen calling him out, so he confesses and promises to change his ways. As part of that effort, he gets Wang Chen a job at the busy rice shop. One day, the competing shop, now all in on this rice-fueled turf war, sends some muscle over to rough up Achu in his shop. Unfortunately, they're about to meet the employee of the month. Fight scene. Wang Chen gets into it again with the goons and does not hold anything back with either hand fighting or his trademark kicks. Wave after wave of thugs go down as quickly as they advance. There's always an element of power behind Wang Jiangli's movement, due in part to his own admission that he always went very hard in fight scenes. In fact, according to him, fellow actors were often hesitant to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him because he went so hard that it was inevitable that he would often tag his castmates. That probably didn't tickle. The fight is over quickly, with the thugs again retreating to their own shop to nurse their wounds and regroup. There's a great exchange with the owner and his thugs here, and I'm going to let the whole clip play out, so just listen. Can't anybody here help me? I need someone who can talk, who can jump, and who never loses a fight. Here. Here. Well, talk. Get the judge. He can talk. Jackie Chan can jump. And Bruce Lee can fight. That's enough. Tell me where I can find these people now. Uh, one, one of them's dead. dead. One's, one's gone, gone away. away. Oh, rubbish. What is the Pottern family? Hey, y'all. It's Juliette Miranda from the Unwritable Rant Podcast. This is Michael Vasquez of the No Sound Bites Allowed Podcast. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob from the Something Something Cast. This is Knock from the Geek Yogurt Podcast. This is Jeff with the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. This is Daniel from the Toe on the Trigger Podcast. This is Dave from the Parlapod Podcast. Hey guys, this is Mike from the Mike Jolet Show. Woo! We're Josh and David from the Scotch and Flicks Podcast. We are you, podcasters, coming together in a community to help one another grow. So follow us on Twitter at Potter Family. Use the hashtag Potter Family in your tweets and retweet other people who do the same. Potter and Family, where great podcasts come home. After getting all meta there, they set their sights on one Mr. Shen, who folks say has the best kung fu around. And coincidentally, he happens to frequent the brothel. I don't know, man, but if any guy I have to fight is punching that loyalty card, I'd be afraid to touch him, so of course he's going to win every fight. So these guys travel to the brothel to find Mr. Shen. According to the madam of the house, Mr. Shen's a frequent visitor and he's got a voracious appetite. As girl after girl falls out of a room, they finally meet one Mr. Shen and talk a little business. But another Mr. Shen overhears the conversation and steps in, claiming that he's the real Mr. Shen, and he's insulted that this imposter is using his name. Now, this is China, right? I'd be willing to bet my life savings that there are probably more than one Mr. Shen in any given town. Maybe it's just me. Fight scene. 
So Shen Wan and Shen Tu get into it right there in the brothel with Shen Tu showing off some dangerous fighting skill while Shen Wan is doing all he can just to stay alive. At one point, Shen Tu even uses Shen's own hands to beat himself. You can almost hear Shen Tu asking, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Turns out that there was an unfortunate case of mistaken identity as Shen Wan is a snake killer, while Shen Tu is the killer of men that the rice shop goons were looking for in the first place. When all that gets settled, Chen Tu lays out his pricing for a hit at a cool 10000 which the rice shop owner gladly agrees to. Back at Achu's shop, Achu tells Wang Chen of an invite he's received by the other rice company to have dinner at their restaurant. Achu is rightfully leery and warns his brother-in-law to be careful. When Wang Chen gets to the restaurant, waiting there for him is Mr. Shen. I've not met you before, so why do you invite me to have dinner with you? Mr. Shen expresses that he's in a particular line of work, so he was very happy that his invite was accepted. He pours him some wine to toast, and as they drink, Shen pounces. Fight scene. The actor playing Mr. Shen, Tian Lung Chen, and Wang Jiang Li absolutely worked this fight scene beautifully. First, they lock arms as they're pouring wine and exchange some banter as they push power plays on one another. When that doesn't quite go Mr. Shen's way, he tries another tactic. And try a taste of snake fist if you're man enough. They trade some fantastic punches across the table, and Shen even jumps onto the table at one point to try and mix it up. But Wang Chen is more than his match to this point. When they finally move away from the table, there's a wild step sequence across the floor and plenty of hissing snake fist to tickle that snake fighter every kid wanted to be growing up. When Mr. Shen manages to land a punch, he gets real cocky real fast. What do you think of my kung fu now? Even still, the fight slowly starts to go Wang Chen's way to the point that he's even able to incorporate chopsticks into the mix. And we get a very cool close quarter hand fighting exchange where the chopsticks are a huge prop focus. Wang Chen manages to grab a bunch of chopsticks and quickly forms some kind of tension catapult grabs Shen by the hair and holds him over the contraption, which then launches a chopstick at Shen's face, knocking him backwards. As Shen staggers against the wall, Wang Chen takes a few more sticks and throws them towards Shen, strategically pinning him to the wall. Thanks for inviting me! Back at Beggar Fan's camp, while he and his street rats are arguing over the day's meal, one of the brood come up and present him with a snuff bottle that he's lifted off a rich man. The shocked Beggar Fan recognizes the bottle and admonishes the kid. Where'd you get this? He's not just a man, he's a tiger! We cut to a restaurant where the tiger himself, played by Eddie Coe, is enjoying a meal alone when the little urchin tries to sneak up on him and return the snuff bottle to his pocket. But the tiger isn't so easily fooled, and he grabs up the boy and threatens to kill him when Beggar Fan jumps in to the rescue. The tiger's sure that Beggar Fan and the boy are in cahoots, but ever the schemer, Beggar Fan brokers a deal where if the tiger found the snuff bottle on him, he'd walk away from the thievery life. But if he didn't, then the tiger would owe him a one-time pardon, like a get-out-of-jail-free card that he could collect at any time. The tiger wastes no time and attacks Beggar Fan, looking for anywhere he might hide the snuff bottle. Beggar Fan proves that he's got mad skills of his own as he defends and counterpunches with ease. As with his fight with Wang Chen, Beggar Fan uses a lot of misdirection and sleight of hand to maneuver the snuff bottle around the tiger and into his pocket without him ever knowing it. When the tiger does find the bottle in his pocket, he huffs off, but Beggar Fan is sure to remind him of his deal. The street rat joins Beggar Fan and laughs off the whole affair, but Beggar Fan emphasizes that they were really lucky just then. That was a close shave. You almost got us both killed just then. What do you mean? Huh? Hey, don't you know him? He's the tiger. He's killed more men than you've stolen from. I knew him before. Well, when we were both starting our careers. He was a killer even in those early days. Uh, if I'd lost that deal there, we'd have both been stretched out in our coffins already. Robo! Sushi Jackknife is a weekly show about depressed children's characters, dead soul of my mother that lives in the moon, and uh, <laughs> an apathetic Jorge shook his head no and walked off. 
Christmas, Tuba Man. You've been brought here on a mission of the most high import, Tuba Man. Planets of miserable slugs. So on this giant slug planet, I can't get over this idea. Giant slug planet. I, I, I really, there's one musical slug, just one? Just one. Just one? Yeah. And do his song for me and he day? And he just, he only plays it to torment the other slug. Super bananas from the past. He's a super banana from the past. He's from the past. He went to the future, but he's from the past. Walmart haiku. At last, dreams come true. Bullets, hot pockets, nose spray, all in the same place. (laughs) Original games. Number two. Yes. Who said it? Garrison Keillor or Lil Wayne. Uh Uh-huh. A girl in a bikini is like having a loaded pistol on your coffee table. There's nothing wrong with them, but it's hard to stop thinking about it. But that's Lil Wayne. No, dude. It's Garrison Keillor. Sushi Jackknife is over 50 episodes strong and as binge-worthy as The Vicar of Dibley. No one knows what that is. You're, you're right. I mean... No one knows. I mean, I know what it is. Is it, it necessary that people know what it is? Well, I mean, you just referenced an obscure British sitcom that no one watched. I mean, I watched it. You are literally... The, <laughs> the people on the show didn't watch it. Yeah. Anyway. The opening was a hymn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like a lot of people know about hymns. No, but... I, no one cares. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you want, if it, like, comes around, like, listen to Sushi Jackknife. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and whatever, like, off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting note, Eddie Coe was in the last movie we did, Duel to the Death, where he played Kenji-san. And if you've seen The Martian starring Matt Damon, you got to see Eddie Coe as the head of the Chinese space agency that helps NASA by providing one of their rockets. He doesn't get to show off any kung fu there, but it was cool to see him still doing his thing. Meanwhile, we catch up with Mr. Shen as he's waiting to report his most recent activities to his master. When his master arrives, we see that it's the tiger himself, and he's none too pleased with Shen. Why did you make trouble? Huh? I get paid to get rid of the man. How was that? I know he was so good. Shen has no excuse for his failure, but is sure they'll hear from Wang Chen again before too long, and he thinks he knows who should deal with it. I'm afraid he's bound to cause trouble in this town again, so take care of him yourself. Back at Ah Chu's home, he wakes up to answer a knock at the door when Mr. Shen and the tiger push their way in, looking for Wang Chen. When Achu and his wife can't produce him, the tiger slaps Achu around. At this, he signals Mr. Shen, who nods in acknowledgement, and in a brutal scene, he rapes Achu's wife while the tiger holds Achu down so that he has to sit and watch it all happen. Meanwhile, in the back of the rice shop, Wang Chen is sleeping when he hears a knock at the door. This time, it's Beggar Fan, and though they've only crossed paths the one time, he seems to know all about what Wang Chen has been involved in and offers a dire warning. When you beat that man up at the restaurant, you did it. They'll be after you now. Get out of here. Oh, they'll kill ya! We return to Achu for a bit after his wife has been raped, and he's taken a beating at the hands of the tiger. He can't do a thing but watch them leave with the info that they wanted. But as soon as they're gone, Achu's wife, violated and humiliated, can't take the shame and kills herself with a pair of scissors. While that's happening, Shen and the tiger make their way to the rice shop and confront Wang Chen, but this time, Shen plays second fiddle. You dare come here? How dare I, you fool? No one stands up against me in this town. And how dare you beat up on one of my students? Fight scene. This fight is another power-for-power exchange, and both actors are really throwing the hands around. And though some of it suffers from the punch-pause effect of a staged fight, there's enough genuine dynamism and vigor from both fighters that keeps it fluid and exciting. Things start to look bleak for Wang Chen as the tiger is a clear bit better than him, and it looks like it's going to culminate in a bad news beating. Then the action slows down as a slow-motion scene when the tiger's about to land a deadly strike, only to have it blocked by a rolled-up bundle thrown in from off-screen. The pack belongs to Beggar Fan, and he inserts himself into the fight and cashes in on his bargaining chip to spare Wang Chen from getting killed. 
He must leave town now and never come back here again. Why should I be the one that has to leave? Because I'm the one who'll kill you. The headstrong Wang Chen remains defiant and moves to attack the tiger, but he gets pushed back by Beggar Fan himself. The tiger reluctantly accepts the deal and storms off. Wang Chen, however, wants to keep things rolling until Beggar Fan slaps some sense into him. I don't doubt you got the guts, but your kung fu's not good enough. Wang Chen isn't hearing anything that Beggar Fan is telling him because he's so hell-bent on fighting the tiger, but he continues and finally reveals his true motives. Don't think I just came here to take a pee. I wanted to see what your kung fu was like. If it wasn't for me, you'd be dead already. He convinces him to leave town and lay low for a bit. When Wang Chen replies that he knows no one else and has nowhere to go, Beggar Fan produces a letter and some specific instructions. Nah, take this letter to Ching Ching Hill to the temple and ask for Abbot Chu Wu. He'll let you stay with him. Naturally, before he leaves town, he wants to tell his sister and brother-in-law that he has to go. But Beggar Fan hurries him off, saying that he'd let them know where he was. When Wang Chen arrives at the temple, he's met by a smug little junior monk who takes a great deal of pride in his job. After several rounds of a defiant Wang Chen and an intractable gatekeeper stating their cases, the gatekeeper takes Wang Chen's note into the abbot who does allow him to stay in the temple under some conditions, one of which is that he is now under the tutelage of the gatekeeper himself. All right, lad. I'm now responsible for you, so you better obey me. The gatekeeper immediately takes Wang Chen to a training area with some heavy gear. He isn't particularly hopeful of Wang Chen's capabilities, though. But I don't want to see how bad your kung fu is. He then subjects Wang Chen to an odd set of tasks that involves dragging large bushels of grain with his legs while carrying a heavy metal box. While Wang Chen struggles, the gatekeeper randomly makes him change directions over and over and over again. We then cut over to the abbot, who's deep in prayer when he looks over at a golden staff and fades to a flashback. Fight scene. In this flashback, his younger self is sparring with the younger tiger, and the staff is the tiger's weapon of choice. Both fighters show off some fantastic pole fighting skills, and there's clearly some bad blood between them, but it's never fully explained why. The tiger proves to be much more powerful than the abbot, and lands some vicious hits, but clearly not enough to kill him. When we fade back to the present day, the abbot turns his attention to a bell being rung repeatedly outside. When we join a number of monks gathering around the bell, we see that Wang Chen is responsible for the ruckus. I've been here for three months already, but I still haven't seen the abbot. The monks try to get him to be more patient, but Wang Chen has pretty much had it. That night, Wang Chen decides that the best way to get an audience with the abbot is to sneak into his room under the cover of darkness, sporting a bad attitude. He skulks around, ducking other monks, until he gets to the abbot's chambers where he finds the golden staff. He admires it for a bit until he hears some people coming. The abbot, the gatekeeper, and a monk all walk into a room. The gatekeeper says, hey, did you hear the one about Achu? The abbot says, Buddha bless you. <coughs> no, really, these guys actually do walk in and start talking about the secret training that Wang Chen's been going through without him noticing. The gatekeeper mentions how strong Wang Chen's legs have become, and an eavesdropping Wang connects the dots. The abbot then goes on to demonstrate the kind of training that Wang Chen should be learning next, and shows off some incredible flexibility and speed as he demos the moves with the novice. That strong kick is better than ten punches. Now we head back to the brothel, where Ah Chu now spends most of his days, because he's clearly still overcome with grief. He welcomes potential customers with a laugh and a hearty pat on the back. That is until Mr. Shen and his thugs show up. You're still alive, huh? Of course I'm still alive! Not for much longer. The madam convinces Mr. Shen to leave Ah Chu alone, and he and his cronies take a seat and wait to be serviced, while Ah Chu goes on to hatch a plan to exact his revenge. He takes a thick bamboo pole and means to bash some heads when he's stopped by one of the working girls, for his own safety, no doubt. She orders him to haul out the chamber pot just as Mr. Shen walks over. Shen gleefully kicks the pot in Ah Chu's hand, spilling it all over him as he tumbles to the floor. Shen waves him off, and a furious Ah Chu heads to the kitchen to find an axe. As Shen steps out of the room, Ah Chu rushes him with the axe flailing around. 
Mr. Shan easily sidesteps his clumsy attacks and pretty much toys with him as Ah Chu keeps charging like a crazed bull. Mr. Shen neatly wraps up his axe arm with a high kick and then snatches the axe away. And as Ah Chu looks up, Shen brings the axe down and slices Ah Chu's throat from ear to ear. While all of this is going on at home, Wang Chen continues his secret training, but now he's taken up the staff. He's practicing alone in a field and is interrupted by the gatekeeper, who threatens him with expulsion for breaking the rules and training on his own. Wang Chen's beyond fed up and shows the gatekeeper just how much he's learned on his own. How would you like to take a long walk? Huh? A long walk? A long walk up a short plank! He then proceeds to make the gatekeeper jump and dive out of the way of his staff as he swings it around and starts a chase through the temple courtyards. The gatekeeper draws the chase right to the abbot himself, where the pair interrupt a game of checkers, which perturbs the abbot. You have broken up my game of checkers. You made me angry. Wang Chen expresses his frustration at having been at the temple for so long with no actual training. The abbot tells him flat out that he's still not ready, but that only makes Wang Chen angrier. Fight scene. Come on. Pretend I'm the tiger you hate. The abbot proves to be a formidable foe, but Wang Chen is able to hold his own and even lands a punch that puts the abbot on his heels. The abbot steps up his attack by grabbing that staff of his, but Wang Chen's practicing is paid off and he's able to keep up with the stick attacks. He somehow learned quite a bit of kung fu without proper formal training, which if you think about it isn't too far off from Wang Jiang Li's early life anyway. I'm going to take you on a weird aside here, but for those of you old enough to remember the terrible TV show Manimal, the main character was a guy who has the ability to shapeshift into different animal forms. He could become any animal he wanted, but because the show had such a tiny budget, he wound up being a hawk most of the time because that's the animal that they had the most stock footage of. Anyway, the manimal guy had to learn kung fu in one episode for some ridiculous reason, and because he didn't have enough time to actually learn kung fu from a proper kung fu master, he loaded up a bunch of nature films and watched monkeys do their thing, which he then emulated and shaped into some kind of mutated monkey-style kung fu. If I remember correctly, he did this all in one night because, again, budget. Anyway, Manimal or Wang Chen learning Kung Fu on your own seems like a bad idea, but at least Wang Chen actually knew some Kung Fu beforehand. Duly impressed with what he has learned, the abbot knows that it's time to let Wang go seek out his own destiny. If this is your fate, so be it. If you must seek it, then go. I didn't let you stay here because you have a pure soul. And you have learned my Kung Fu from me secretly. You may leave. An appreciative Wang Chan leaves the temple and heads directly to his sister's home, only to find it completely abandoned and cobwebbed over. He goes over to the rice shop to see that it's been taken over by the rival rice company. He asks for Ah Chu and is dismissed, but not before one of the thugs overhears him and follows him out of the shop. Elsewhere, the tiger and his crew are talking business when the thug who overheard Wang Chen whispers in the boss's ear about what he witnessed. As he has to leave for business in town, he goes ahead and leaves Mr. Shen in charge. We cut back to Beggar Fan really quickly as Wang Chen shows up. Beggar Fan isn't exactly thrilled to see him and it gets tougher when Wang asks for his help. It's up to Beggar Fan now to drop the news that his sister was killed by the tiger and his student. A son Wang Chen storms out and you know that he's going to go look for trouble. He heads directly to the tiger's compound and gets right in Mr. Shen's face. How dare you show your face around here again? One of us will die. Wanna make bets on who? Fight scene. It seems that Mr. Shen has learned a thing or two the six months that Wang Chen has been gone too, because instead of taking him on himself, he sends wave after wave of his minions to do the fighting for him. Here, Wang Jiang Li gets back to the lethal leg fighting that's his trademark. He takes out the thugs one by one with devastating boots combined with powerful punches, and after just two thugs, the crew begins to move tentatively, but Wang Chen just keeps coming. 
When Shen gets into the brawl, Wang Chen does this amazing running kick that lands on each of the three goons attacking him. He then leaps onto the shoulders of a pair of them and uses them to launch his flying kick right to Mr. Shen's face. It's a clinic of a beatdown until only he and Shen are left standing. Shen's never quite up to snuff as Wang Chen slaps him around like a red-headed stepchild. A desperate and bloody Chen finally caves and gives up his master the tiger to try and save his own hide. Wang Chen winds up tying Mr. Shen upside down over a barrel of water and dunking him until he breaks even further and tells Wang Chen where he can even find him. In a brutally cold move, Wang Chen kicks a hole in the sandbag counterweight, keeping Mr. Shen up, so that it slowly lowers him back into the barrel where he will most likely drown. Uh, put me down! Put me down! Uh, put me down! Why should I? I want you to die nice and slowly. Wang Chen walks off without even looking back, and just as Shen enters the water and looks like he's going to take a long nap, the tiger shows up to save him. But only for a little while. You made a mistake. As my student, you should know I don't tolerate failure. You dared to tell him where I was going. <laughs> All right. Hey guys, this is Bill. This is Phineas. And together, we're the Tattooed Bananas. We do a comedy podcast, and on our comedy podcast, we talk about all kinds of wacky crap, like... Nutscaping. I'll tuck you in tonight. Turning your funeral into a funeral. Can I have an ice pop? Can I have a candy? Dick fishing, furniture banging, and so much more. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and connect with us with the Potter and Family hashtag on Twitter... Yeah, don't forget to check out the Instagram. Throw a bag of bagels at someone's head. With Shen gone, it's up to the tiger himself now to finish this bit of business when Wen walks back through the gates for one last dance. Final fight! You must really want to die bad. I'm not called a tiger for nothing. Today I'm going to eat you up and spit you out. Huh. Unless you're bitten off more than you can chew. With all the corny big bad bravado out of the way, Wang Chen and the tiger get down to business. The tiger has his staff while Wang Chen relies on his hands and feet. The fight isn't the most dynamic, and by comparison something like a Venomob fight scene, this fight looks a little more punch-pause-punch-pause, pause, but they make up for it with aggression and power. They look like they're hitting hard and really trying to avoid being killed. Wang Chen gets his hands on the staff too, and we get a nice stick-fighting sequence where Wang Chen gets to use his secret training again. Even still, the tiger looks like he has the upper hand here, as his skill is much more accomplished. Still, Wang is able to even the fight as both of them lose their stabs, and Wang Chen is now fueled by pure anger. The guys pick up the hand fighting and get right in each other's faces with different claw styles. The momentum of the fight swings back and forth, and just as the tiger gets the upper hand and begins to press his advantage, Wang Chen is saved again by Beggar Fan as he leaps into the fight and kicks the tiger away, giving Wang Chen time to regather. Beggar Fan gives him one last bit of fuel for his fire. Hey, don't turn off on him now. He also murdered your brother-in-law. Here, Wang Chen throws all caution to the wind and begins to attack the tiger wildly. An exhausted tiger can only fend him off for so long until Wang Chen uncorks several spinning windmill kicks in a row, all to the tiger's face. He then puts together a combo that involves another Mortal Kombat bicycle kick, followed by a massive roundhouse. He then jumps up into the air and lands on the tiger's chest and finishes him off. All in all, an absolutely solid film with some great performances, if you can get past the dubbing. Wang Jiang Li is really a powerhouse and it was fun to see him be a good guy for once. Had he directed more films, I'm sure he would have honed his craft even more, but it's a hell of a first effort and worth checking out. By the way, Wang Jiang Li didn't stop at movies. He also had a line of instructional videos that taught his lethal kicking style, and the whole thing is available on YouTube. It's called The Art of High Impact Kicking, and it's so good. 
Take a listen to the funky disco intro with the proper British voiceover. Chinese saying in depicting the art of combat states, the hands are like swinging doors, the feet are the real weapons. Capable of generating tremendous force, the legs are the most powerful natural weapons a human being possesses for the defense of his life. Perhaps few men have known this better than Korean Taekwondo master Huang Jung Lee. videos all Wang Zhang Li demonstrating the power and effectiveness of kicking and what's funny is that even in these instructional videos they felt the need to augment his movement with the kung fu fabric flutter sound so even if he's just extending his leg you hear his gi flap around and the disco music never stops it's so great that link will definitely be in the show notes so go watch it and go kick some ass literally Okay, that's it for this week, gang. As always, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Kung Fu Drive-In. Check out the Facebook page if you still do that. Uh, it's the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast page. Or you can always just shoot me an email at kungfudrivein at gmail.com. Big shout-out to the rest of the Potter and family on Twitter. Go check out that hashtag for some more great shows. On my playlist currently are the Drift and Ramble podcast, Comic Confidential, the Grindbid podcast, and Soiled Restroom Cinema. Go check them out. There's some excellent stuff there, I promise. And until next week, Poison Clan. Peace. On the hands running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless idea roaming over the land Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older than wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars, then pass, hear the blast On the end, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here, David D is coming back The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster The channel little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie Chung is finer Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight May as well be the spot Yeah the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah Wing Chun Shaolin and Manti style Yeah defeat the enemy me and watch you run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! 
this time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time and Janet counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slashing blood or just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor and the blood It'll splatter against the wall, no fear at all To kill them all, there's always blood spilled When you head into a war, fearless Unleashed The fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, men for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war To smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, men for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting